If you were 18 or older, living in Australia around September 2017, you would have received a survey in the mail. It asked you a simple question. Should the law be changed to allow same-sex couples to marry? This sentence was the culmination of months of campaigning, emotions and opinion. The same-sex marriage debate, like all public debates, was messy. However, more than most, it became a proxy for something else. The air became filled with sound and fury, and even after the intense and divisive conversation paused post-results, the current climate surrounding the plebiscite and the LGBTQI community is still not to be mistaken as equal. This episode looks at all sides of the argument, before, during and after the debate, focusing on influencing factors and personal perspective that shape your views on the issue, to shed light on what sparked a national dialogue. This is POV, I'm Kai Lovell. is an issue that divided the coalition. After a marathon seven-hour party room meeting in August 2017, the Liberal and National parties voted to take the issue of legalising same-sex marriage to a national poll. Since then, it became the proverbial political hot potato, and an expensive one at that, costing about $160 million and a lot of people's dignities. Throughout, advocates of the then status quo maintained that such a landmark change to the definition of marriage should be put to the people, rather than being decided within Parliament. This was recognised and honoured by government, but some argued that it wasn't them playing nice and being considerate. It was because our members for Parliament were incapable of reaching a decision. Were these feelings fuelled by the unsuccessful laws proposed to solve just this issue back in 2013 by the ACT? It's anyone's guess. Irrelevant of whether our representatives in Parliament can actually represent us, the whole debate angered many supporters of same-sex marriage who argued that it would be full of vitriol and will diminish their relationships in any capacity. While both sides of the argument were targeted, as you would expect in such a fundamental disagreement, this unfortunately proved to be true. The results were announced mid-November 2017, and although it was certainly an emotional journey for everyone involved, the sacrifices Australians made to get to this point all paid off. And now the official results of the Australian Marriage Law Postal Survey. For the national result, yes responses, 7,817,247, representing 61.6% of clear responses. That 61.6% of clear responses were yes. No responses, 4,000,000. 
873,987, representing 38.4% of clear responses. That's 38.4% of clear responses were no. Our society grows over time. We ebb and we flow. We alter our beliefs and change our direction. We make decisions, we thrive on structure and belief, and we are never the same as we were before. We don't all share the same opinions either. We are brought up in different ways, and we have different people and places and beliefs shaping who we are every second of the day. For some people, who they are isn't a static state. For others, it's the only constant they maintain. Our values, our attitudes, our fundamental ways of life. Sometimes these are tested, sometimes we are tested. The outcomes, they either divide us or bring us closer together and ignite us. We embrace others or we push them away. But in the end, everyone decides our own fate. Whether you like it or not, the way in which we as humans discuss things and the basis on which decisions are made are a measure of the maturity of ourselves and our world. In March this year, I was lucky enough to be invited to the Archbishop's Forum here in Perth. It was a platform for the Perth Archdiocese to reach out to youth and for millennials like myself to ask questions that mattered to us. In the Q&A session that followed the talks, there were some controversial opinions appearing. Although it was nearly four months after the plebiscite at this time, it was evident that the same-sex marriage debate was particularly when in relation to the Catholic Church's views still a hot topic. Several questions were directed at the Archbishop himself, asking for an explanation from the Church as to, one, how they feel about the LGBTQI community, and two, how has that constructed their views towards same-sex marriage? He started his response saying that both himself personally and the Church as a whole didn't have anything against that community. He then goes on to explain to us that it is important to remember that it's based on the church's convictions about the beauty and dignity of marriage, understood as the union of a man and a woman for life, and as the best way to provide for the upbringing of children, that's why they hold these views. It's worth noting that this position hasn't really changed either. Our secular society has grown and developed over the period of its own existence. It's this natural evolution of human belief that perpetuated the acceptance of, in the very beginning, a foreign concept to many people. The Catholic Church, however, is very much based on tradition and what God would want. This isn't as dynamic as society itself. So fundamental views like the opposition of same-sex marriage are almost as old as the church itself. 
in general, the Archbishop was very vocal throughout the whole debate. He wasn't scared to put pen to paper or open his mouth, becoming a very vocal representative for the church and his archdiocese. But it wasn't just to share the church's views. It was also to provide context as to why and how they are now at that point, particularly highlighting that these views were the church's propositions, not impositions. Uh, my name is Richard Pengelly. I'm the Anglican Dean of Perth. Uh, my title is the very Reverend Richard Pengelly. Uh, my background is basically phys ed teaching, uh, becoming a school chaplain, uh, running a parish, uh, being involved at the university, both as a chaplain and a lecturer in sports science, uh, back into schools to direct service learning programs, and then here at the cathedral. Uh, I was born in the Middle East. I had an English father who was drilling for oil, an American mother who was working in a hospital in a place called Bahrain. Um, our childhood was very uh, restricted in a way. We were living in a European camp. Uh, my father was a very dominant figure, uh, had very strong values. Uh, my mother was a much sort of gentler figure. They were both practicing Anglican Christians, so that had a big influence on me being baptised and becoming a member of the church. Uh, through my teenage years, by the time we got to Australia as what they called 10-pound poms in the 1960s, um, I found myself disagreeing with my father's positions on many things. Um, he was raised in an era during the Second World War, an Englishman, and uh, he had very definite um, and what you would now call prejudiced opinions about a lot of things. Uh, my mother was almost the opposite. She was very inclusive. So we, in the home environment, had some fairly lively debates. Uh, to my father's credit, uh, we were encouraged to get a broad education. Uh, and, of course, he brought us to another country to be raised in a different culture. So um, there was lots of really good learning and uh, intellectual engagement going on. Um, but I found myself uh, veering quite a long way from what, my father, his prejudices that he had around a lot of issues. Um, so originally I was worried about the plebiscite and I was very worried about the um, antagonistic discourse that was going on between the various groups. And there were some most unpleasant things being said. There was a lot of scaremongering. Um, this will be the thin end of the wedge. Religious freedoms will go out the window. I've just signed a, um, just signed a, a petition uh, to the government around religious freedom and uh, suggesting that it's not the, the terrible consequence that we think it's going to be. Um, and I decided to go public uh, during the campaign, um, A, because I have three adult children, uh, one of whom is married, one of whom is engaged, and one of whom is not allowed to by law to be either of those because that person is same-sex attracted. So it's a very personal issue for me. But B, because I felt there was a bit of a gap uh, in spokespeople in the church um, and that this could uh, empower and encourage other Christians who felt this way. And I happen to know that the majority of Christians that I know are in favour of same-sex marriage. So um, I decided to go public, and that led to um, uh, a vastly positive response from most people. But, of course, there were some very negative responses from both within and outside the church towards me personally and towards the church. Um, but overall, it, uh, it was just the right thing to do, in my opinion. Hmm. I think uh, there's no question that in the media in Australia, the extreme groups in anything get the most coverage. 
news is built on that which is not typical so that's why there's so much bad news in the media because most people are doing the right thing <laughs> it's when you do the wrong it gets reported and so when you get to these hot button issues the extremes are reported and with regard to christians and same-sex marriage there was an over-reporting of the extreme right-wing conservative you know groups um by far the most reporting was going on from those groups and those Christians. They're perfectly entitled to their points of view and their understandings of scripture and tradition and all that kind of stuff, but there wasn't a balance and that was something that I was trying to get across. So I think there is a stereotype that Christians are uh, moralists, um, we don't have any fun, uh, we want to stop everybody else having fun, um, and we have these strict codes, this kind of Ten Commandment code to live by, which completely misses the mark about who Jesus was and what he stood for. That certainly was true thousands and thousands of years ago, but he came to transform that. Uh, whilst the uh, decision has been made to make same-sex marriage legal in law in Australia and all of our paperwork and our stationery and all those things have changed, all marriage celebrants in favour or not in favour no longer have bride and groom on our paperwork. You have partner one and partner two. So there's you know, significant change for all of us, whatever stance we hold. But whilst it's legal in society and the community, it is not legal in the church, in the Anglican church, in any church at the moment. So the Anglican church will have to go through a process of debate over a number of years uh, and because we're a national church made up of over 20 dioceses um, some of whom are very conservative and some of whom are very liberal it will be impossible to come to a consensus but we've done it before with regard to women priests for example so there was great resistance to women being offered full leadership in the church we now have our first ever australian woman archbishop here in perth Kay goldsworthy um, and so dioceses were allowed to sort of opt out of having women priests and bishops um, i'm not sure if this will work the same way i'm not sure if you can opt out of agreeing to same-sex marriage i think once it's law it's law so currently it's possible for people to get married civilly outside the church and with permission from a particular archbishop to come into the church for a blessing a marriage blessing but that can't be the legal documentation of that marriage it can't be the full legal right uh, and none of us uh, and I have no intention of, of going against that because um, I'm bound to abide by the laws of the church and um, and I need a license in order to be a priest in order to do these things anyway so I hope that we can negotiate and make progress and have a time in the not too distant future where some churches will agree to do legal same-sex marriages and some churches won't and I have on my staff um, priests who if we were allowed would agree and priests who would disagree and I'm okay with that that's actually called religious freedom <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's where we are in August last year the next Anglican Archbishop of Perth Kay Goldsworthy suggested that she was a supporter of same-sex marriage as well the Archbishop-elect in an interview, said that she favoured the more inclusive side of the marriage debate, though, and she stressed that that was her personal view only. The Anglican Bishop of Northwestern Australia, Gary Nelson, however, has firmly declared he will not allow same-sex couples to marry inside any of his churches. The conservative Sydney Anglican Diocese also revealed it would donate $1 million dollars to the No campaign on same-sex marriage. What this says is that, like in some cases in the Roman Catholic Church, where some priests and church leaders have openly supported same-sex marriage, 
the Anglican Church doesn't have a clear stance, at least based on its senior leaders here in Australia. The bottom line is, no matter how open its leaders are of the idea or not, the Anglican Church, as a single organisation, needs to lay out a national position on whether same-sex weddings could be allowed in its churches, and its general support of the idea. It is well known that the majority of the world's religious leaders and organisations stand in opposition, not only to same-sex marriage, but homosexuality in general. Some suggest religion is the biggest hurdle to clear in any attempt to redefine marriage due to the blanket claim that God doesn't like it. But it's clear not all religious figures see it the same way. But whether they are tiptoeing the line of their faith and are taking a different approach in their fight for inclusivity or staying true to tradition, for now, it's still a conversation to be had. It's clear that religion is an influencing factor on the box you ticked during the plebiscite. But I think a common misconception for some people is that every person opposed to same-sex marriage is a devout Christian. It's clear also that other inputs from different sources, whether it be family and friends, your ethnicity, or simply society itself, all act together in altering your views on the argument. Some gay atheists don't even support it. So, to better understand where these perspectives are coming from, we thought we would talk to the people who are the ones actually voting who are arguing and debating along with the rest of Australian society during the debate. The people who voted yes, who voted no, or just said, I don't know. All right, so if you're ready to go. Yep. So the first question is, what are your views towards same-sex marriage? Oh, I oppose it. Is this the same as you opposing homosexual people or is it just the marriage part? Uh, it's more so the marriage part. Like, I don't like the idea of homosexuality as it is. Um, but I find that it sort of goes against everything that I believe in. Yeah. So, as you sort of mentioned there, some of the reasons, why do you feel this way towards that community and sort of the marriage that they're asking? Well, for? I've always believed in the scientific method and sort of science states that, you know, this is obviously something that shouldn't be going on, you know, it's reversing evolution and um, it's unnatural for humans to do that. Like, you take other species, you know, take a fish, they don't reproduce with the same sex. So, yeah, why do humans think they're an exception to that? So, is this something that you've always felt? Yeah, I've always felt this way um, ever since I sort of had the age and sort of mind capacity to have an opinion on this stuff. um, obviously, recently it's sort of been legalised and everyone's sort of changed their opinion um, because before it was even talked about legalised, most people, you know, were against it all the time because, you know, it was weird. Um, but I've held my opinion because of the scientific method, the way I believe. Um, also, just because it's unnatural for humans to sort of think this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So one that I hadn't asked, but I just I thought I'd throw in: Is this something that is an opinion you just hold, or is it something your family and your friends share as well? Well, my father and my sort of generations of male relatives believe the same thing, um, but most of my family doesn't believe the same thing. They're all for it. Um, yes, I've gone against them, but you know we're entitled to our own opinion. Yeah. Do they have anything against that opinion? Do they support you in that? Oh, they well, they don't support me, but they they don't sort of decline it. So, yeah, it's pretty fair. My views on same-sex marriage is that it comes down to a place of choice, and I believe that everyone has the right to make a choice on their own life, and that other people don't have the right to impart their belief systems on somebody else's life and choices. Is this something that you've always felt? Yes, and I think it's probably as I've got older um, and wiser, I've realised how important it is as I've come to a place of realising that my choices are unique to me and that I can't expect other people to have the same belief systems. Do you view people who don't support it as anything less of you? No, I see that they actually have the right to their beliefs and that is perfectly okay. However, if they start then um, becoming judgmental or um, are trying to enforce their beliefs as the only belief, that that is actually not a very um, healthy way of um, creating great relationships and peace and harmony in this world. What are some factors that result in you feeling this way? Well, I think all people are equal and ultimately if two people love themselves then I think it's probably just my own um, my own journey and I'm a fairly open person and I'm willing to explore all belief systems and really look at them from a perspective of does that is that something that feels right for me um, or is it something that I've been told by someone else and it's not something that I just take on? I question beliefs and my beliefs are always changing. However, it still comes back to that place of choice. Some may say the most vocal argument promoted by the Yes campaign was that it shouldn't be your decision who gets to marry who, how it's not actually your business. But this message didn't apply to everyone. Sometimes it is very much your business. I might, I'm just going to hold it. Yeah. Around there the whole time instead of going back and then forwards. I'll aim my face at yeah. this the whole time rather yeah. than doing that. <laughs> no, that's, that's all good. My name is William Conti. Um, I'm just a teenager up in the hills. I go to university at the moment and um, I'm an avid Harry Potter fan. Uh, that's pretty much all I can say about myself. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. What was your feelings towards the recent plebiscite? So the plebiscite results are obviously in favour of homosexuality and stuff like that. So I think that is amazing. Um, 
and especially being like a gay teenager myself, it's really exciting to see that society is becoming more accepting about who I am and who a lot of people are because we all do struggle with it. So yeah. Now that we can get married, um, I think that it's a step towards society going, hey, come out of the closet. It's actually claustrophobic in there. You can have fun <laughs> being gay. Yeah. So what was your experience at the plebiscite before, during and after? So when um, the talk about the plebiscite started coming through, I remember my mum sitting me down and going, hey, Will, I just want to let you know this is a thing that might happen because we had to actually mentally, I had to mentally prepare myself because the thing is um, when something like big like that is occurring, obviously a lot of hate and a lot of hate um, is like going to come through and a lot of hate is targeted towards obviously me because of who I am. And um, I think for, especially for my mother, sitting down her son to tell her that there's a huge chance you're going to experience a lot of discrimination these next few months is just a, such a scary thing. Um, during the plebiscite, it was, for me, I was okay because I was out of the closet. If the plebiscite occurred a year earlier, you would be, I would have been in emotional turmoil. I would have been destroyed. Luckily, I had a year to um, personally gain, I guess, confidence in who I was. The thing is, I do know a lot of kids who were like mentally affected by such a vote because so many, it just gave a platform for so many people to be vocal about hatred to homosexuals. So I think that um, obviously people are allowed their own opinion um, and uh, they can live by their opinion. I just don't want their opinion to be dictating my life, I guess. Um, However, the the 30, 40%, I can't remember the specific number, that did vote no, um, no hate against them. Um, I'd, they can, they did have the ability to do what they want and they, they did. People who did vote no, um, did find it hard to vocalize as well because, um, obviously a lot of the left-winged people weren't too pleased with that side of things. Um, once again, I do think, uh, it is, they're allowed to exploit their rights in having an opinion and everything like that. Um, I think that for me, obviously, uh, I voted, yeah, well, I got my parents to vote yes, I was 17 at the time, um, and the, on my side of things, I didn't really judge anyone who was voting no, um, I know for a fact, uh, my, my parents were pretty, like, I can't believe they voted no, because I think for them, it was like a personal attack on their son, um, my perspective is sometimes I think people could be uneducated or they have a reason for having that opinion. I think a lot of the battle wasn't really even about the marriage side of things. It was about the acceptance side of things and pushing forward um, to people that like, hey, we're existing. We're going to be existing for the rest of your lives. You can't really tell us not to. Um, We do want to get married and we do want to live like everyone else because we are like everyone else. Kids are mean. Do you know what I mean? It's um, and I did cop a bit, um, and I struggled with it. And obviously, um, I, you know what? People grew around me though, and the people that didn't, I just had to leave behind.
The LGBTQIA plus community um, for me is like a second home. They're so amazing and accepting for people people who would dislike them. Um, sometimes it can be tied to religious reasons, which is totally fine. Sometimes it's tied to like personal reasons or um, the way, I don't know, the way we express ourselves is very different. Um, like I was at um, the cl clubbing the other night and you know there's boys dressed as girls and girls dressed as boys and for some people that's really confronting um, for me it's amazing I think it's so open and you do you and I love it um, but it's a really confronting environment and open and a lot of people just aren't into that sometimes all along this debate has been more than just the surface argument it was about our fundamental views on the LGBTQI community, and really looking inside ourselves. Although the end result suggested there is growing support and acceptance, we still see a collage of opinion, opposition, and obscure arguments. These aren't exclusively being delivered nor fed from just one side of the argument either. For same-sex couples to have won this debate instead of back in the late 90s when they were fighting for acceptance, is, I'm sure, a breath of fresh air. But right now, it's clear the waters are still muddy. All we can hope for everyone is that there is rain on its way. I do want to say, I'm, if you were in the closet, I'm so sorry you had to be in the closet during the plebiscite. That would have been horrendous for you. Um, However, I do think coming out of the closet will be one of the greatest things you ever do. You'll um, learn to accept yourself and people around you will learn to accept you. And if they don't, then obviously they didn't necessarily love you enough in the first place sometimes. is made and produced in Perth, Western Australia and is brought to you by Millennial Studios. If you would like to stream the show, listen to previous episodes or find out more on our guests or the show itself, head to our website. This is pov.org. We also think that our show should be a conversation. We love to hear what you think of what you're hearing. So please do leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what your point of view is outside of the show. Finally, thank you. Thank you for listening, for sharing, for being you and being a part of POV. It really does mean a lot. And I look forward to having a chat again in a couple of months' time. I'm Kai Lovell. This has been... POV.